of Performance Publishing Group, making a difference one story at a time. We'll be shining the light on successful founders, entrepreneurs, business owners, and leaders that are getting results and making a difference. We'll talk about how they built their businesses, are creating movements, and leveraging the power of authority in their own lives. Be sure to stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest. Let's get started. Hey everybody, it's Michelle Prince, host of the Power of Authority Spotlight, where we shine the light on successful entrepreneurs, business owners, founders and leaders, people that are building businesses, they're, they're making a huge impact in their, in their communities, in business overall, but they have a bigger purpose behind it. I can't wait for you to meet our guest today. He's a local of the Dallas area, but first this episode is brought to you by Performance Publishing. Performance Publishing provides done-for-you publishing services for authors that are looking to tell their story and use it to build their brand. Your book is your business card. People will throw away a business card, but they won't throw away your book. So go to performancepublishinggroup.com, grab a free strategy call, and see if your next best step is writing a book, performancepublishinggroup.com. All right, let me introduce you to my guest, Greg Alexander. He's the founder of Collective 54, the first mastermind community dedicated to exclusively to thriving professional services firms with big aspirations. Collective 54 helps members make more money, work less, and get to an exit bigger and faster. Members get access to a network of peers, proprietary content, and benchmarking data, coaching, events, and software, all custom-built to serve the unique needs of boutique professional services firms. After selling his own professional services firm, the consulting firm SBI, for $162 million, Greg founded Collective 54 and authored the best-selling book, The, the Boutique, How to Start, Scale, and Sell a Professional Services Firm. He is also the host of the popular podcast, The ProServe Podcast, through his expertise and guidance, Greg helps members of Collective 54 grow, scale, and exit their firms. There's so much more that he does, but I just want to bring him on so we can just talk through it all. So welcome to the show, Greg. It's great to see you, Michelle. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'm so glad you're here. There's so many things I want to just dive into right away. I love masterminds. I have been a part of masterminds since I started my business in 2009. I know the power of it. What made you, after selling your professional services firm, want to get into this world of masterminding? It's a great question. And it's a personal answer I'll give you. So I sold my firm in 2017 and I was 47 years old. Um, and you mentioned I sold it for 162 million. And, and I don't share that number to be braggadocious in any way. I say that to inspire people to say, if I can do it, you can do it. That's right. And at a relative young age, I uh, had more money than I ever thought I was going to have. And I thought I was done. Mm. And uh, for a couple of years, my beautiful wife and I traveled around the world and had a lot of fun, ate a lot of steaks, played a lot of golf, you know, went and saw all the sights. And I, I wasn't fulfilled. Mm -hmm. I was, there was something missing in my life. And um, I challenged myself to think about how I could contribute. And uh, I have a wonderful mentor. His name is Mike Avila is out of Austin, Texas. And he, he, he gave me a framework to think about. And he said, Greg, your life is in three chapters. So chapter one was your early years as a professional. This is my professional life. And you were an employee. And I worked for a wonderful Fortune 500 company called EMC. And then the second, the second chapter was uh, that as an entrepreneur, um, which was the SBI story. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and that was great. And I built a passion for the power of entrepreneurship and uh, what it can do for society. Because now you're in the third chapter, and the third chapter is, is that you're now me. You're now a mentor. Mm -hmm. 
you know, your life experience has been rich enough that you can make an impact on others. So that's why you're feeling unfulfilled. So that's the itch you need to scratch. So I said, okay, well, what's the best way to do that? Well, I've been very lucky that like you, Michelle, I've been in masterminds my whole life. I was in EO, then I was in YPO, then I was in Tiger 21. And I, through that, have learned the power of community and learning from peers. So I started saying to myself, well, if I started a mastermind community, what would my tribe be? Who would my peeps be? And it dawned on me that there wasn't one focused on three very specific things. Mm. So first, the professional services industry. That's the reason why the number 54 is in the name Collective 54. That's the industry code. Oh, I so, like that. So think of lawyers, accountants, consultants, designers, IT service providers, marketing agencies, people that market, sell, and deliver their expertise. In other words, they don't have a product. So mm. that was one. The second one was a segment within that industry we call the boutique which is kind of past the startup stage, but before the exit stage, you know, to draw an analogy to life, you know, think about those awkward years we all spent in puberty, right? <laughs> That's kind of our group. And then the third dimension was the founder. You know, when people become an entrepreneur and start a company, they do so for a variety of reasons. And I wanted to serve the founder. So I believe that there was an opportunity to create a mastermind community around that. And I went and did some homework and realized there's 1.5 million firms just in the U.S. that fit that criteria. Wow. And in my opinion, they were underserved because most of the mastermind communities that I was in, they were horizontal. You know, they weren't focused on those three uniques. Yes, yeah, so we launched in January of 2020. So we're recording this in October of 23. And we have several hundred members. And uh, it's been an unbelievable experience. And I'm so glad that I did it. You know, I love what you said about the journey, the three chapters, and and how absolutely accurate that is for all of us. My friend Tom Ziegler would always talk about the success to significance, like ultimately what we're all working toward, right? And and there's that early part of your career where it's just all the hustle. I was I was in software sales. Funny you mentioned EMC. I, I giggled when you said it because I resold EMC through one of the companies I worked for. And I know that world and it is a grind and it is a part of your, you have to do it though. That, 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 that's what builds the foundation. But then right. you move into entrepreneurship, which is, you know, yeah. once you've, once you've done this, I mean, I'll never go back. Um, but there is that next phase, you know, yeah. because if you have, you have so much more to give and you're so young for, for being able to be able to give at this stage of your life. So that's, that's really powerful. I like that. Yeah. Do you. What 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 do you feel the 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 members? So you said there's several hundred members, and it is unique. It's interesting when it, when I read that professional services mastermind, you don't really specifically hear that part a lot because you get them. They all come together, and I've been a part of many that sometimes that's good, sometimes it's not so great. But what do you feel they're getting out of this more than anything? Why why do they invest their time, their resources to be a part of this? Yeah, so I'll give you a two part answer. So the headline is they get three very specific things. Number one, they they earn more money. And I hate to be such a capitalist, but a lot of the reason why people go into business for themselves is for that reason. Sure. And we do live in a, in a market economy, and that's important. And, and we have benchmarking data to support that. And the reason for that is, is we help them figure out a monetization strategy and a better way to run their firms. That's number one. Number two is, is they, they work less. Now, when I say that, I would add a dimension to it, which is they, they end up working on the things they want to work on mm -hmm. and they stop working on the things they don't want to work on. You know, if you don't, if you're not intentional with the way you build your firm, you can be working 60, 70 hours a week. And eventually 
that gets old. And, and you burn out and you can't go the distance. So we help them kind of not to be, uh, be cliche, but work smarter, not harder. That's the second thing. And the third thing, eventually, everybody sells. I mean, we can't run our businesses from the afterlife. So you have to sell your firm at some point, right? And selling a people-driven services business is a very hard thing to do. So we help people, you know, prepare for that exit and eventually get there quicker and, and at, a, as a, at a bigger exit. And I share what I learned when I sold my firm. Now, how we do it is the really interesting part. Those are the three outcomes, but I would say there's, there's six inputs. So number one is we are painstakingly building this network of founders of boutique pro serve firms. Mm-hmm. And we're very rigid in our application process and kind of who we let into the group. Not to be elitist in any way, but these, these mastermind communities only work if it's really peer-to-peer. That's right. That's right. right. So we're really focused on that. So that's the first one. Number two is we produce a ton of content, which, you know, I know you know a lot about given your mm-hmm. business. Yeah. And this comes in many forms, you know, books, podcasts, blogs, tools, case studies, things like that. Um, the third one is data. So because these businesses are small private companies, there's not access to a lot of data. Wow. So if you're wondering, you know, how much you should pay your people, what you should charge your clients, you know, we have this fantastic benchmarking database that helps with that. Mm-hmm. Then we have events, you know, thank God we made it through the pandemic and yeah. we're all thirsting for face-to-face. Yes. So, uh, we have that and that's really good. And it's a lot of fun. We have a big capstone event in November every year called the Founders Summit. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Um, then we have coaching and coaching mm-hmm. comes in all kinds of forms. So I coach personally one-on-one. We have mentor to mentee relationships, kind of a buddy system, if you will. We have group coaching, et cetera. And then there's software. Um, so there's a member portal that mm-hmm. allows members to share referrals with one another at scale. Ooh, um, like there's uh, software tools that allow them to run their business, et cetera. So those are the inputs that lead to the outputs. And that's kind of what the member journey is all about. Mm, wow. That sounds incredible. And you know, for anyone listening that the, the power, if you have not been a part of a mastermind, the power of leveraging and interacting with other people, because we're all going on this, we're all on the same journey, right? There's right. there's the different levels of business. And as soon as you hit one level, you're going to plateau until you go to the next. So you have to have right. mentors, you have to have coaches, you have to have uh, a collective to, you know, support you along those journey, that journey. So I just love that. Mm. And something you and I talked about that before the show even started is you've written four books. I know the one we, we, we know most about is called The Boutique, but tell us about some of the other ones. Yeah, so when I had my firm, in other words, when I was in the seat that my members are in, it was called SBI, which stood for Sales Benchmark Index. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and I was taught by uh, giants. You mentioned uh, Ziegler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was yeah. probably the best at this. How powerful a book can be, um, especially if you're marketing, selling, and delivering expertise. You know, the printing press came out in the 1400s and the first mass produced book was the Bible. And look what that did for Catholicism. Um, And it's here we are in the world of in the era of artificial intelligence. And yet the book is still going strong. Yes. And it's because it works. Mm -hmm. So to support the growth of that firm, I wrote two books. One was called Top Grading for Sales. And that was around how to hire A players. Yeah. I co-authored that with the brilliant Dr. Bradford Smart. And then I wrote a book called Making the Number, which introduced our methodology, which was called sales benchmarking. So we took the science of benchmarking and applied it to the art of business to business sales. And that method is explained in that book. And those two books opened a lot of doors, Mm. you know, 
I didn't write those books to become a bestseller, although we were fortunate and we sold a lot of copies. I wrote those books as lead generation tools, you know, mm -hmm. as a way to let somebody kind of learn about what it is we do and how we thought. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the phone started ringing and the website started getting visited, you know, because of those books. So those were those two. And then when I launched Collective 54, I wrote two additional books. The first was called The Boutique that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, and the second one is an exclusive book, not available to the public, only available to members. Oh. And that, that book is called The Founder Bottleneck, How to Scale Yourself. And it deals with wow. professional services firms that hit a plateau because the firm they're building is completely, completely dependent on them. Mm -hmm. And in order to scale your firm and sell it one day, the firm's got to be bigger than you. It's just too much work for one person. And you got you to be really good at delegating. And we introduced the succession planning process, uh, custom builds for pro serve firms in that book. Nice. And uh, both of those have done great. And uh, it's, you know, renewed my faith in the power of a book. And um, we wouldn't be where we are today without those two books. You know, I get asked all the time, why am I in publishing? And I say, I never wanted to be in publishing. I never set out to ever help people to publish books. But what happened was when I wrote a book in 2009, I worked for Zig and, and obviously I learned so much from him. I wrote my own book only for my kids, literally my kids in kindergarten and second grade at the time. I just wanted them to know my story when they grew up. And that book unintentionally opened up what is now a full-time business of speaking and coaching. And about a year after that, we started the publishing company. I'm saying all this to say, it's, it's, it's never about a book. It's about the fact that that when people know you, they know your intention, when they know your backstory, they know what what you can provide sales as service at the end of the day. When, when you know, when people know how you can serve them, it, you're, you're helping more people. And it, one of the easiest ways for me, I, I believe, is through a book, just because everything you would put into a book is already in your head. Yep. And I, you know, I wrote a book years ago called Your Book is Your Business Card, but I believe it because it's it's one of the easiest ways for somebody to decide, do I want to work with you? Do I connect with you? You know, um, but I appreciate that you understand that because not everybody understands the power really that, that, that there is by being an author. Yeah. It's incredibly powerful. And these days with distribution capability from Amazon and others, I mean, it's yeah. incredible. I mean, we got to 10,000 copies sold in 18 months. Wow. That's fantastic. And and it's because of the algorithms and the way you can, mm -hmm. you know, the search capability in a platform like that. But my first two books, that really wasn't the case. I mean, we, we were relying on people, you know, bumping into us when they went to Barnes & Noble on Sunday morning. Yeah. <laughs> These days, the reach factor is just incredible. It's incredible. And now who goes to those stores anymore? Most oh. people go online. So <laughs> yeah, right. um, what would you say when, when you're mentoring these these professionals and by the way the, the book that you the the founder bottleneck what a great value for the members to yeah. get that I'm, I'm like i'm like i want to see i want to read that <laughs> but no i i get why you keep it though that is so cool but um what what would you say is the biggest challenge for these professional services firms is it the bottleneck of of kind of not being able to delegate and, and scale is it the influx of just how you know there's a lot of technology and decisions or like, what would you say is the biggest issue? Yeah, I, I would, I'm going to give you three that I think okay. would be my top three. So the first is, is most founders of services firms, our community, they're first time founders, mm. which means learning how to be a founder is the problem. 
and they're making a lot of unforced errors to use a tennis analogy mm-hmm. um, just because they've never done it before. Um, you know, and, and not to give myself a plug here, but that's the benefit of being around peers, right? They can say, oh yeah, I made that mistake. Absolutely. And they can, tell you, they can tell you how to avoid them before you make them. So that would be the first one. The second one is they build firms that are completely dependent on them. And those actually aren't firms. Those are practices. And in order to go from kind of a lifestyle business or a practice, um, like think of like a, I don't know, like a local dentist or something yeah. like that, uh, to build something bigger than them. And not everybody has that ambition. But if you do have that ambition, you've got to institutionalize your tribal knowledge. Mm-hmm. And you've got to build a firm where, that clients will buy from, even if you're not involved in, and employees can deliver upon your brand promise without your input. That's a huge one. And, th- and that's not an easy fix. The reason why that's not an easy fix is because a lot of times our founders have their own personal identity wrapped up in their firm. Oh, sure. And uh, ego can get in the way there, right? So that that's a real, that's a big one. And then I would say the third one is, unfortunately, we live in an inauthentic world right now. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of so-called experts that really aren't experts that are out there on all these social media platforms. And it's really hard to stand out in this crowded market where, uh, you know, everybody's a quote unquote influencer, mm-hmm. you know, so really honing your message and mm. speaking with authenticity in an inauthentic world is a real challenge these days. And yet that is what we all want. That is what yeah. we're looking for and craving. Nobody is looking for perfection. Nobody is looking for that perfect influencer. We get maybe sidetracked by them. But at the end of the day, I know I pers- I want to I want to connect with other authentic people who will be like, you know what, I don't have this all figured out. Let's right. Let's help each other, you know? So I I love that. You are from, I've only met you today, but from the little bit that I know about you, what what you shared, and then just also just before the call is you're very goal oriented Mm -hmm. and you have a passion and I discovered it before we jumped on this uh, podcast. And I asked you if if you'd be okay if I shared it, but I, you you know, people are mostly listening, but behind you is a whole bunch of different uh, I couldn't tell what it was, and I asked you, and it's part of a passion you have. Do you mind explaining what that yeah. is? Because yeah, <laughs> sure. I think it is so unique and so cool. Yeah. I've never seen this. So my my personal mission is to apply entrepreneurship to the problems that we face today. And I think entrepreneurs are the solutions to these problems, whether they be big problems like climate change, and we can look to somebody like Elon Musk or mm-hmm. even you know, smaller problems you might be having in your family. You know, there there always tends to be that one leader in our family unit that breaks the mold, you know, and shows everybody, you know, a path forward. Mm -hmm. So entrepreneurship, I think, is is, uh, the great asset that we have. And I want to encourage as much advancement of entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship as possible. And unfortunately, sometimes through government regulations and just other factors, entrepreneurship is being squashed. You know, there's, there's a lot of, um, I don't know, belief on the left or maybe kind of the woke mob, if you will. And I believe a lot of what they say, and I wish the world was more just and then it isn't. But I think entrepreneurship shouldn't be villainized. And I think it is sometimes. So to keep myself grounded and staying focused on my personal mission, I've created an entrepreneurship hall of fame. 
um, and it's in my office. And if you could see this video, I have 100 business cards, um, which the business card these days is a historical artifact. You know, most people don't even have business cards anymore because we've gone digital. But I have uh, the 100 entrepreneurs that inspired me the most uh, framed with a little blurb underneath each one explaining. I'll give you an example of a few. So uh, I have Coco Chanel, who was uh, a trailblazer in the fashion industry. I have Enzo Ferrari, which is a legendary figure in the automobile industry. I have Levi Strauss, who taught us that selling the, the picks and the shovels is better than chasing the gold. Yes. And, and, and several others. So the little routine I have when I have morning coffee every day is uh, I, I stand in front of my wall and, and I read 10 of them just to keep myself inspired. How did you find these business cards? How did you get them? Yeah. So I have a brilliant niece. Her name is Stephanie McCready's. And she was an undergraduate pre-med student at the University of Southern California. And as a college student, she was broke. And uh, she needed a job over summer break. And uh, I told her what I wanted to do. I wrote down the list of uh, on a yellow legal pad. And I said, go out in the wild world and try to find these things. And she did. And uh, she built it for me. <laughs> well, how awesome that she was a family member. Your niece yeah. was a part of that, too. Yeah. Not just, you know somebody else you know what it somewhat reminds me of and if, if you know it sounds like you do know zig and one of the things that he he always every office that he was ever in he had his wall of gratitude mm -hmm. and it was the pictures of the people that most inspired him or or, or that had the most influence on him you know could from his first uh, mentor to his mother to laurie majors who was his longtime assistant and many 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 more in between who would you say of those? And I, I know I know you haven't met necessarily all of those that you look at every day. But what would be the one, two, or the top two or three that inspire you the most, or who have had the most impact on you and your, your yeah. business acumen? Well, I'll tell you a story about how Zig influenced me. So, the first entrepreneur I ever met was my dad, and he oh. was he was a great entrepreneur. And when I turned sixteen, he bought me a beat up old used. Datsun 240Z. <laughs> I remember Datsun. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a, a, a four-speed, you know, manual transmission. Yes. I used to pull into the gas station and say, fill up the oil and check the gas. I mean, it yeah. was. And uh, and in the glove box was a, the cassette tapes of Zig Ziglar. And I would put those in and I would listen to Zig as I would drive along. So so my dad and through my dad, Zig was a big influencer to me when I was a teenager. Right. So that was great. I would think today, I think uh, a polarizing figure, but nonetheless, I think Elon Musk is the Edison of our time. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think he's brilliant. brilliant. Um, for those of you that haven't read Walter Isaacson's biography of Elon. Oh, my goodness. It's, it's incredible. Incredible. Yes. Yeah. Another example of the power of a book, right? I mean, yes. And so surprising. People. So many things in there really surprised me that I did yeah. not know about him. Yeah. You know, and if you think about the power of entrepreneurship and solving problems, which is what drives me, I mean, you know, he is impacting climate change by the electric vehicle movement, and that doesn't happen without him. Um, he's bringing the internet to everybody in the world, no matter where you are, through satellite. Um, you know, he has revitalized, you know, a dormant U.S. space industry through SpaceX. 
Um, you know, he, he, many people don't know he started OpenAI and brought artificial intelligence to the world. Um, you know, he's incredible. And it's, it's very, very rare to have an entrepreneur impact multiple industries at the same time. I know. And I'm super encouraged about what he might do to protect free speech through X, formerly known as Twitter. So I think he is somebody that is incredible. And we're so lucky to be alive during his prime. I mean, he's in mm. his early 50s. So that would be one uh, for sure. Um, you know, maybe outside of that world, I think the brilliant scientists in the pharmaceutical industries, you know, the biotech firms, mm -hmm. you know, what they're doing. I mean, 50 years ago, life expectancy was 47 years old. You know, today it's 87 years old. Right. I mean, and we're all very fortunate to be alive, you know, during those times. I mean, Eli Lilly, as an example, is now solving obesity through drugs like Manjaro, right? So the right. advancements we're going to see in, in biotech are also, and there's a whole list of entrepreneurs in that category that are solving the world's problems through entrepreneurship. But those would be a few I'd point you to. It. Okay. I love that. Well, how encouraging and inspiring. I, I, you know, little FOMO, wish I had that in my office. So <laughs> I do have a lot of zig things through the years, you know, from working with him, but I don't have all the, the others you're talking about. So that's really, really cool. All right. Well, I know we're running short on time and I want to talk about, so the show is called The Power of Authority Spotlight, and we are shining the light on people like you who are doing incredible things. And the title actually comes from one of my book titles, The Power of Authority, and it's a play on words. You can't spell authority without author. And I know you realize that, but there's other ways to build authority outside of writing a book. What are some of the other ways that you're encouraging your members to really you know, focus in on intentionally to build their brand, build their authority, build their credibility in their, in their industry. Yeah. You know, I would give three. Um, so the first I would say was get involved in communities. And obviously we have one community, but this isn't a plug for that. I just mean, if you're participating in communities, which could be your local chamber of commerce, it could be your local church, it could be a mastermind community. Yep. I think getting involved in communities is a great way to spread your authority because Authority spreads word of mouth, referral-based, kind of belly yes. to belly. And the more people you meet, um, the better. So that would be one. Mm -hmm. I think podcasting, as we're doing today, is fantastic. Yes. And the reason for that is, talk about authenticity or maybe even intimacy, if I can go that far. You know, the minute somebody puts those white earbuds in their ears mm -hmm. and they start listening to you, mm -hmm. it's a deeper connection than reading pages of a book, Absolutely. in my opinion. Yep. So the audio component is real. And then I think video, you know, we've been experimenting with uh, videos on YouTube mm -hmm. and I was very skeptical because as a consumer of YouTube videos, I've been frustrated with just the blatant sales pitches that many mm -hmm. of those videos are. But if you are authentic and you're focused on the viewer, not yourself, I think video can be very a fantastic powerful. way to create authority for sure. So those would be a few I, I would recommend. I like that. And like podcasting, I feel like with video, what used to be in, an, in a, a live event speaking and all that, you really could experience someone and decide whether or not that they're, it's a good fit, right? For right. working together. But video, I feel like you can instantly, we can all discern who somebody is and, and what yeah. they stand for, even if they're not saying it, just visually seeing them. I've been doing the same thing with video and courses and, and really you know, trying to do more with YouTube. I was a little late bloomer on that one too. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I have time for all that, but it it matters because that's where people are searching now for, for here's content. An here's an example. So you and I get on the call, turn the camera on and you see my Hall of Fame behind me. Yes. 
And we and we had this rich conversation about that. So if the camera's not on, that doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. Yeah. Right. So video is powerful. Yeah. I agree. Well, you have so much information, your wealth of knowledge. I could talk to you for much, 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 much longer, but I, I want to be mindful of your time and and kind of bring it all together. What is a just to tie this all together, what is a quote? a saying or something that you live by now in, in this season of your life, the, the season of, of mentorship significance and all that, but what's something that you live by that you want to pass on to those listening? How far you go is based on how bad you want it. So true. Not everybody <laughs> wants to hear that though, right? <laughs> it's true. I mean, being an entrepreneur, it's hard. It is. It's a lot easier being a number on a spreadsheet buried in a big corporation. It's hard being an entrepreneur. However, if you have the courage to be an entrepreneur, it's the most rewarding thing that can happen to you. But, you know, it, it does take courage. So, you know, how far you go is based on how bad you want it. Mm, and how much you believe you can do it, too. It all yeah, comes together. Another great one. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, gosh, thank you so much, Greg. This has just been incredible. And I so appreciate you being on the show and uh, look forward to staying in touch and seeing who your next... Uh, Hall of Famer is that ends up on that shelf. <laughs> yeah. Well, Michelle, it was, it was a pleasure speaking to you and thank you for having me and all your listeners. I appreciate your time today. Thank you. Well, just to wrap things up, everyone, you know, so much great information here. I do believe in the power of masterminds like Greg was talking about. There is nothing better. You need, we need support. We need encouragement. We need mentors. We can't act like we know what we're doing all the time. So, so really leverage that. I loved what Greg said at the end as far as how to build authority, which for those of you listening probably know my definition of authority is it's not about being better. It's about allow, it's, it's putting yourself in a position that people want to hear what you have to say. That's how you make an impact on people's lives. So through doing that through communities, um, locally, masterminds, et cetera, podcasting, big believer on that as well. And video and YouTube, as much as you don't want to be on video, you got to do it if you want to make the biggest impact. So that's all for this show. We'll see you next time on the Power of Authority Spotlight. Take care, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to the Power of Authority Spotlight. If you are a successful founder, entrepreneur, business owner, or leader that's getting results and making a difference, and you'd like to be on this program, please visit performancepublishinggroup.com forward slash podcast to apply. That's performancepublishinggroup.com forward slash podcast. Also, if you got something out of this interview, please share this episode. Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag, the power of authority spotlight. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content, so make sure you don't miss any episodes by subscribing. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our websites, performancepublishinggroup.com or michelleprince.com and follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.